This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The kick ahead. And Duffy's chasing it. Seconds of the game, St. George, Illawarra to the death, trying. Brown goes to the air, going back is Mabel. Oh, sleeping high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart. He has scored an incredible try and ties this fourth game up. Bartram from 18 metres out, he strikes it nicely. St. George, Illawarra win for the first time in their premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock. Down the sideline, chipping over the top of John Kane. Got a red saucer bounce to win the game for the Dragons and book himself a New South Wales Blues origin jumper. Folks, it's that time of the week again to talk everything St. George Illawarra and welcome to episode 127 of the Red V Podcast, your undisputed home of everything about the mighty St. George Illawarra Dragons. Well, it's a cause of celebration for the podcast this week as we celebrate that triumphant win against the South Sydney Rabbitohs all the way back last Thursday night, a 32 points to 12 win for the Dragons. Their first win in nine games against South Sydney in the NRL competition would earlier taken out the Charity Shield and then getting a victory over them the NRL. Very, very important as the Dragons find themselves perched just inside the top eight. We'll have a full recap of that a little bit later on in the podcast. We've got a special chat with Dragons CEO Ryan Webb. Ryan was good enough to give up a little bit of time on Monday afternoon and chat to him about a, a variety thi- uh, of things, uh, a vast amount of, of subjects were brought up in that chat. We, we, t- we spoke obviously about the new centre of excellence. We spoke also about why Anthony Griffin was re-signed. What was the thinking when the board uh, and Ryan himself were getting in, in the room to discuss whether they should re-sign um, Anthony Griffin on a new uh, one-year deal or, or, or push his two-year contract out to a three-year contract. A host of other subjects as well, talking about the St. George district, and he was very, very adamant that um, Cogra and the St. George area wouldn't uh, wouldn't lay by the by um, with all of the news that's been about Wollongong in recent days and uh, a lot, lot more. Looking forward to playing that in its entirety to you a little bit later on in the podcast. We'll also have a host of Dragons news and updates to get through uh, not too far away here on the podcast. Wrap up the lower grade results with the Dragons getting a win in Jersey Flag and going down in heartbreaking fashion in the New South Wales Cup. And we'll answer your fans' corner questions to finish off the show. For the third week in a row, Nick Sambaneris is going to be my co-colleague and my co-partner uh, to guard us through everything St. George Illawarra here tonight. Nick's been good to give up his Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening after a long day at work. Nick, uh, great to have you back on the podcast again, mate, and great to be talking about Dragons footy and even greater to be talking about Dragons footy when we can uh, talk about a win over the Archold rivals South Sydney on Thursday night. How good is Dragons footy? <laughs> the difference a week makes, hey? 
I know where was uh, I was I was, I was, I, I, was last week. I was getting barbs left right and center on social media over the weekend Nick about my uh, my pot shots at Blake Laurie when I said that Blake wouldn't run for 180 meters and I think he ran for, yeah, for, for 206 meters it's um yeah it's, it is certainly uh, much easier to do the podcast and we can talk about what a great performance it was and definitely the best performance we've seen from the Dragons so far this season Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, this season, in particular, that first half, the best in, in years, many, many years. Yeah, 32 points in the first half. Not something we've seen uh, an awful lot from an Anthony Griffin coach side and probably something we haven't seen uh, dating back to the 2018 days where the Dragons made it into week two of the finals. So it was very, very promising to see the Red V uh, chalk out some points, but also show some good goal line defense, especially in the first half of the defending a couple of sets in a row uh, with only uh, 12 men. Myself and Nick will dissect that in great detail a little bit later on in the podcast. But let's uh, jump into your Dragons news and updates, folks. We've got lots to get through uh, for this week host of players that have been selected in representative squads, both state-based but also international. We'll also talk about the centenary sides. A couple of uh, St. George District Rugby League centenary sides have been named. We talk about Emma Tonegato re-signing with the Dragons NRLW squad. Normally, we kick off our Dragons news and updates by reviewing the team list, but with a, I guess, a, a buy across all of the, the the NRL competition with the representative round happening over the course of the weekend. No team list uh, to look at for the Dragons, but I guess the, the positive news for us to talk about in our Dragons news and update section is talking about the Dragons Centre of Excellence that was announced uh, that's going to be down at the University of Wollongong facilities down there at Wollongong in the on the south coast of New South Wales. This has been something that's been uh, in the works for quite some some time. I won't go into an awful lot of detail about it because Ryan Webb does talk about this quite extensively in our chat that we'll bring up for you uh, in just a moment here on the Red V podcast. But uh, something that's been happening uh, that we've been hoping to happen for for a while, Nick, it probably puts us on level peggings with some of the other sides in the competition that are, have, have got centre of excellence um, established and um, are running those and, and certainly helping with the development of future talent, but also the current players within their, their first grade setup. It's, it's positive news for the Dragons and and, and it's great to have, I guess, the, the university attached to it a, a, as well. Ryan said in our uh, in our chat that he um, that there's a, a couple of or, or more than a couple, more than a, a more than a few people down at the University of Wollongong that have, have have kind of gone through these sports science courses and now find themselves involved with NRL clubs and and even um, uh, international teams uh, overseas. So it's a it's a step in the right direction. And if the Dragons want to get back to being a big club in this competition, a centre of excellence is probably a great stepping stone on the way to that path yeah definitely it's a must you look at you know the, the Penrith Panthers and big part of their success is there yeah, the local juniors and, and that center of excellence uh, you touched on uh, great news and hopefully we uh, we we bear the you know, we see the fruits of that yeah bad in the years to come yeah, certainly uh, is something the Dragons uh, the Dragons need and uh, yeah, great news that the, the club has got that together. Uh, still a little bit of money short is what I'm hearing. Uh, that's what Ryan said to us, but um, it's not a cause for concern. That money will be found uh, and the Dragons will be able to set that up and uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, commence building and commence the planning stages of that uh, in the next few months and in the next couple of years to, to have a centre of excellence down there at Wollongong uh, is going to be great uh, for the, dra- the Dragons. Not just the uh, the NRL side, but also the NRLW and the, those vast juniors that we have uh, from the South Coast region that will be coming uh, through that region there. Well, we talked about it being a cause for celebration here on the Red V podcast. It's not just because of a big Dragons win on the weekend. There's been a host of players that have been selected for international duty as part of the St. George Illawarra Dragons squad. Uh, we'll go through those and I'll get Nick's uh, thoughts on on these young players, mainly, mainly uh, young players that have been selected for international duty. Uh, for Samoa, Matt Fiernay, Francis Mollo and Jaden Sewer will be pulling on the blue and white for their Samoa international side. Uh, June Ramon and Moses Suli will be representing Tom and Michaeli Ravalawa will, will represent Fiji. All players uh, named have, have been in such good form for the Dragons. Francis Molo has probably been uh, one of the Dragons' best forwards um, so far, certainly their, their best prop so far this season, Nick. And you look at, at Jaden Sewer, who, we, to be fair, we probably haven't seen the absolute best of because of, of injuries and, and suspensions and different things, but he's a class player just in his own bracket. You've got Matt Fiernay, who's been killing it out in a wing for the Dragons. Junior Ramon starting to find his feet in first grade. Moses Sully, one of the, the more damaging ball runners in the competition, has been a real find out on the edge for the Dragons. And then someone like Michaeli Ravalawa, who hadn't scored since round one, he 
bagged a hat-trick uh, in that first game of the season. He scored a couple of tries uh, on Thursday night's game against Seattle. Just a, a devastating ball run. It gave us a real lot of impetus. And congratulations should be extended to all the players because they've worked really hard to, to get in these positions. And, and now they have the, the absolute honour. And I know what an honour it is for a lot of these Pacifica lads to, to get to pull on the, the, the country of their birth or the country um, where they've uh, grown up a, as a young boy or perhaps it's it's family members that, that, that still live there. Uh, it's a great honour for them to represent these different island nations that we we're talking about off air, Nick, that are, that are really starting to come to the fore uh, in regards to international football. They really are, especially if, you know when you consider the World Cup's coming up at the end of this year over in England uh, in October, once the NRL season wraps up. So great, great timing for them. And as you touched on, uh, Jack, especially that, that Tongan side, they're going to be a real powerhouse in this upcoming World Cup and in the years to come. They've got some great players coming through, good young players. Junior Moon is one of those, but yet you've got big guys like Jason Tamalolo. I think Katoni Staggs is playing as well. Uh, Siosifa Talakai would be playing if he hadn't been selected in the New South Wales side. So they're going to be a really dangerous side. They've already roughed up Australia at least once in International Rugby yeah. League, and you expect them to to really create some waves uh, in, in the in the future. But also uh, great to see that Samoa side as well. They've got some, some big names in there as well. It really is great to see um, these island nations really flourish uh, in the rugby league international landscape uh, at the moment. And not just to stick with international rugby league, uh, positive news for the Dragons and uh, I guess the, the junior pathway systems for the Dragons with both the New South Wales under-19s men's side and the New South Wales under-19 women's side named. Uh, in regards to the men's side, Jack Bostock, Jacob Webster and Toby Catchman all selected in that New South Wales under-19 side. And that, so it shows how strong the Jersey Fleet side is. They're able to easily win uh, against the Victorian Thunderbolts on Sunday, even despite missing three of their integral players, including two forwards that have been really laying the platform uh, for them so far this season. Uh, but not to be outdone, that the New South Wales women's side are uh, six Dragons uh, from that NRLW side that made it through to the grand final, selected in the state of origin side. Emma Tonegato, obviously the star, she's going to be in the fullback role. Uh, Rachel Pearce in a halfback. And then you've got Keely Davis at hooker and Kezi Apps and Shaley Bent in the back row and Quincy Dodd um, as, uh, as utility off the bench. Uh, and there's also a couple of other names on the extended bench for the Dragons as well. So uh, positive signs for the Dragons. We, 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 I guess we've we've spoken at length at, at times in this podcast, Nick, about the results probably not being where we, we wanted them. And Ryan certainly reveals that in, in our chat um, coming up uh, shortly here on the podcast. But so positive to see uh, both the young men and women representing the New South Wales under-19 men and women's side, but also the, the New South Wales women's side. And it's almost a throwback to the, the days of, of 2005 and 2006 where the Dragons senior side had five or six players in State of Origin or back in 2010 when the Dragons had the likes of Soward and Cray and Cooper and Hornby in, in, that, uh, in, in that, uh, that New South Wales State of Origin side. It, it's positive for the Dragons. It's positive for Women's Rugby League and probably encouraging to the, to the young female fans of the Dragons of New South Wales as well, Nick. Of course. Uh, Tonegato, great news as well that she's uh, staying on at the club and she, she, she had a yeah, terrific season and she'll be one to watch in, in this upcoming uh, Women's State of Origin clash coming up this weekend. As for yeah, mm. Bostock and Couchman, ma massive wraps on them. So it's great to see them being recognised. They're ones to keep an eye on. As we've you know, we've said a couple of weeks in a row already, but, you know, what a loss Bostock is going to be. Also be very interesting to see how Junior Ramon fares uh, playing with a number seven on his back, mm. taking on you know, more of an organising role. So talking of uh, the – I'll start that again. Uh, talking of Emma Tonegato, uh, she has re-signed for the Dragons NRLW squad for 2022. Great news. She was uh, probably one of the Dragons' best uh, in that 2021 uh, reverted system uh, or season and uh, did a wonderful job at the back. I know a lot of fans are relieved to see Emma back. She's a real star uh, in the in that Dragons' back line and expect more fireworks, more excitement uh, from her throughout the 2022 season. And we wrap up our Dragons news and updates section by taking a look at the St. George District Rugby League. They have announced two of their centenary team. So celebrating 1921 to 2021, uh, there's going to be a host of centenary teams that have, are going to be named. Um, so there's going to be, I believe, three teams that are going to be announced tomorrow uh, afternoon or Wednesday afternoon for, for those listening. Uh, but they've currently announced the 1921 to 1940 side and also the 1941 to 1955 side. So uh, for, for the era of 1921 to 1940, a lot of names here that people won't know um, too 
too much uh, too much about, unless you have, of course, read the wonderful book Spirit of the Red V by Jeff Armstrong. It's a fantastic read. Uh, volume two is coming out later this year, uh, but it really um, encompasses and encapsulates the wonderful history of the St. George Dragons, how the club was set up, and certainly through those early years of the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Uh, but for that, that 1921 to 1940 side, Frank Meehan is the fullback. The wingers have been named as Fred Gardner and Jack Lindwall. Any cricket fans there will know that famous name. He's the brother of, of Ray Lindwall, who himself played um, for the St. George Dragons before having great success uh, for the Australian men's cricket team. George Carstairs, a, a famous name, a famous son of St. George, and Gordon Harter in the centres. Arnold Taylor and Harry Caldwell are the halves, or Cadwell are the halves. Orb Kelly at lock. Second rows are Len Kelly and Neville Smith. The front row, Clary Ty and Bill Hardman. The hooker is Arthur Justice. And the bench is Percy Ferrell, Ernie Lapham, Frank Saunders and Jack Wedgwood. And Frank Burge is the coach. And the other side that's been named is the 1941 to 1955 side. Now they are as follows. The fullback, Noel Pitting. The wingers, Ron Roberts and Tommy Ryan. The centres, Doug McRitchie and Matt McCoy. Johnny Hawke is the 5'8". The halfback is Albie McAndrew. The lock is Walter Musing. Noel Mulligan and Norm Proven are the second row forwards. The front row are Jack Holland and Jack Munn. Hooker is Ken Carney and the bench, the famous Frank Facer, Ross Kite, Merv Lees and Brian Oreck with the coach Ken Carney as well. So there still is um, some big teams to be to be named over the course of the next little period. So the, the next sides that are going to be named um, is going to be um, 1956 to 1966 uh, and 1967 to 1981. They'll be announced on Wednesday, June 22. So that's happening uh, tomorrow if you listen to this podcast on a Tuesday night, um, like we are recording it. Um, and then the 1982 to 1998 and 1999 to 2021 teams are going to be announced following the week of July 6. So all announcements are held at the Spirit of the Red V Museum. So Wednesday afternoon, we've got the, the famous 56 to 66 side, but then also that, that side of 67 to 81 that obviously didn't have as much success as the never before, never again era, but still a wonderful time when you think of the grand finals, the, the great Billy Smith and Graham Langlands getting St. George the decider in 1970 despite not quite having the quality of the South and, and Eastern suburb signs around in that era. Also made the grand final in 75. And then, of course, who can forget Bath's Babes in 1977 and 1979 as the, the Dragons pulled themselves to the, the top of the mountain once again. And that 79 premiership side, I guess, is kind of held in quite high regard considering that was the, the last time that uh, that St. George won the premiership until the the uh, the joint venture of St. George and Illawarra uh, lifted up the premiership in, in 2010. Uh, Nick, I don't want to um, spend too much time on it because I know we've got plenty of stuff to get to on the podcast tonight. But when you look through those sides and you think of the sides that are going to be named and we'll no doubt have a chance to, to look at the sides that tomorrow on social media and, and share about it, it really is exciting when you look through and see some of these names, the coaches and the players that a lot of them unfortunately uh, passed away, not with us now, um, but uh, some wonderful players that, that really put St. George on the map, especially when you look at those sides of the, the 1940s and 1950s. Yeah, as you said, this 56, the 55, 50, yeah, 56 to 66 side is going to be definitely one to keep an eye on because, you know, they, they achieved what no one else will ever achieve in the game again. Uh, you, as you, uh, the two sides you did touch on, there are some, you know, really famous names there. Facer, Ken Carney, mm. obviously Norm Proven, uh, Lindwell, uh, you know, old Cogramaris boy, mm. uh, Burge, uh, famous coach. Yeah, some some really great names there um, involved with the Dragons, and looking forward to seeing what these uh, these next two sides that will be released: the fifty-six to sixty-six side and the nineteen sixty-seven to nineteen eighty-one side. But then also eighty-two to ninety-eight. That was an interesting era for the Dragons. Um, grand final um, in in eighty-five, a preliminary final feat in eighty-four, and then there was a barren period until Brian Smith came with the likes of of Mark Coyne and, and Jeff Hardy, Anthony Mundine, um, some wonderful wonderful players that came through it. Noel Gold. Thorpe that came through that era. So looking forward to seeing that. And then the modern day side, that those those early 2000s St. George Illawarra sides as well that create a lot of excitement, the likes of Gaznier and, and Cooper, Trent Barrett, uh, even maybe guys like Matty Head and Brett Furman might even get a look in uh, as well. So exciting times around the club and great to see the the centenary uh, being, uh, being ushered in in 2022 with some announcements and uh, no doubt uh, further to come uh, over the next few weeks as well. That wraps up all of our Dragons news and updates for this week, folks. If there's something we may have missed or something you'd like to talk to us more about, feel free to reach out to myself and Nick uh, via our email address, which is redvpodcast at gmail.com. That's redvpodcast at gmail.com. 
Time for us to take our first break on episode 127 of the Red V podcast. And on the other side of that, we're going one-on-one with Ryan where we talk with Ryan about a multitude of different things that are happening at the club. He touches on the centre of excellence. He also speaks about the re-signing of Anthony Griffin. We ask him whether it was a smart decision, was it the right call at the time of when they re-signed him and in the early portions of 2022. He also talks about the St. George District, about Cogra Oval, about the junior pathway system and a hell of a lot more. That's going up next here on episode 127 of the Red V Podcast. Welcome back to the Red V Podcast, episode 127 coming at you tonight as we talk everything about the mighty St. George Illawarra Dragons. Well, we haven't had him on the podcast for some time, so we thought it was a good time to check in with Ryan Webb, the CEO of the St. George Illawarra Dragons, and uh, get a bit of news from his end and and also get some behind-the-scenes look at uh, how the club uh, is progressing uh, under his stewardship and the stewardship of also head coach Anthony Griffin. And Ryan's been uh, very good to give up a little bit of time uh, to chat to us this evening uh, to talk about everything and George Illawarra. Uh, Ryan, welcome back to the Red V podcast, mate. How are you traveling this afternoon? I'm traveling well, Jack. Thanks for having me. It's been a while since we last spoke, uh, Ryan. I guess the the last time we spoke was almost a, a year ago. Um, how are things looking at your end with uh, with how the club is progressing, I guess, off the field? Uh, yeah, we're going quite well. Uh, we've had, we well, thinking of last time we spoke, we've we posted another profit last year, so we've profited the last two years, and and we're on track to do that again this year, and that's all done with um, keeping in mind that we're still spending the full football soft cap, which is outside of your salary cap. Mm. Uh, yeah, we've got no we've got no debt, which is really good. Our two shareholders have been really good in helping us out with that, and um, we've just had some really good news on funding for our community high performance centre, and I'm happy to fill you in a bit more on the details on that. Um, in our community programs, I guess that's uh, this year they've been held up for a couple of years now with COVID not being able to get into schools and at grassroots, um, although grassroots has been affected heavily mm. by rain. But, um, you know, they're back on track now. So off field, the club's in a in a really strong position. Thanks, Jack. I guess on the field, it was uh, very nice. And I'm sure Dragons fans are, are, are very wrapped about the performance on, on the weekend uh, against the South Sydney Rabbitohs with a, a really impressive 32 points to 12 win, uh, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on uh, in the podcast. But I guess for some fans, um, there's uh, there's probably a few worrying things happening uh, at the club. And I guess the, the most prominent of those would be um, Anthony Griffin and, and I guess the re-signing at the start of, of 2022 before a ball was kicked. I guess, could you give us uh, input from, I guess, your side of the ledger or your side of the corner as to why Anthony was um, re-signed, I guess, when there was no other clubs around potentially trying to get his signature and if you think it's it's been a smart call or a beneficial call for the club so far in, in 2022? Yeah, no problem. Uh, the thinking behind that really was uh, most coaches, when they come in, there it's a three-year term. Most people recognise that it takes that long to really have an effect and to get a, a fair read on how a coach is going. So when we signed Anthony, I was able to get a contract that was for two years and then had a third year option that was our way on the club's way. So for me, that allowed us to essentially you extend your job interview. In a sense, we do all we ask all the questions and get all the referrals. But we got another 12 months of him on the job and we got to see if what he was doing there um, with the players, with our junior programs across the club to see if he was true to his word and he was coming across in the right way. And, mm. and everything he did in that first 12 months was exactly what we were hoping he would deliver. Um, so that was probably one of the underlying pieces. So we took up that third option, um, knowing that it would take a lot of the distraction. Of You could see what the media did with some of the other coaches mm. um, as soon as there was a few losses. So it takes away that possible noise. And the other part was that Knowing who your coach is ahead of time plays a huge role in your retention and recruitment. And we had a lot of players internally and externally all very fond of Anthony and wanting to know what his position was going to be. So by shoring that up, it kind of um, sorted out those things on a few levels. And and still his his tenure is uh, three years that's guaranteed now. So, um, you know, everything we're doing is going well and hopefully he's with us well belong, well the um well past that but um that was the thinking for taking up that option um fairly early and and from a club's point of view we think it's going okay i guess that leads into my next question ryan i uh, i guess are you and and the board and some of those other key stakeholders within the club are you you happy with where the club is positioned compared i guess to to this time last year 
If I compare to this time last year, yes, that's a fairly easy answer. There's, although um, if you just look at purely on-field results, we're you know, we're probably sitting that middle of the table, and we'd love to be a bit higher. But um, as far as depth of list, culture, um, the feeling amongst players, the character of the playing group, I think it's it's vastly different. I think. Um, I think you can see now that there's a couple of young players that are really pushing through, and whether that's a, a Fanai and a Moan, a Ramsey, they're, they're starting to look like legitimate NRL first-grade players mm. now. There's a couple of other young fellows who are pushing and knocking on the door. Um, and some of the recruits, I guess, Suli and Sewer have been really strong. Um, the Mbai in the woods, they're doing what we expected of them, I guess. They weren't expected to come in and carry these sides. So if I look at where we were this time last year, yes, I think – we would be happy. We'd love to have probably one or two more wins, two more wins. I'd love to have five more wins, actually. But <laughs> I think there would have been a couple more wins would have been nice. I think the Titans one we shouldn't have let slip and the Penrith one would have been nice to grab early. Uh, but uh, outside of all those things, taking all those things into consideration, I think we're okay with where we're heading. Ryan, is there is there a reason we haven't seen a whole lot of updates from either yourself or the club in, in recent months? No, not, not really. Um, it's a, it's a fair point you're making. There's not some sort of conscious decision that we haven't said anything. Um, we try to, the, our media guys try to get things out through our channels, website, social, where we can. Um, and sometimes I think it might look like we're quiet on something, but the only conscious decision I've probably made in mind is not to come out and comment on just pure gossip and hearsay. Mm. And like an example of that would have been the Sully and Flanagan thing that was floating around in the media for a couple of weeks, but that had nothing behind it. It was not something that had been raised with us. Um, no one had spoken of it. It would have been dismissed ridiculously quickly if it had have been. So that's the sort of thing I don't want to fan flames by coming out and commenting on something like that. Um, but then also in saying that, I try to do a CEO update to to members and fans every two to three months, but I'm, I'm probably due for that. I think it was March last. So mm. that's on me to, to get around to that a little bit more, but it's nothing conscious. Um, we just, uh, yeah, I'll just take that on, on note and we'll try to be a, a, a bit more proactive. Some exciting news last week for the club, Ryan, and no doubt something that's been in the works for a while was the, I guess, the official announcement of uh, of the Centre of Excellence that's going to be uh, down at the UAW, the University of Wollongong facilities uh, down there in Wollongong. I know we've spoken about this before. We've had um, our previous chats here on the, the Red V podcast. What can you tell us about the, the Centre of Excellence? And it, it seems like it's been something that's kind of been stewing for a while. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh I'm really excited for everyone associated with the club. So we're running with a community and high performance centre. It really has a strong connection to community. That's been one of the drivers. Uh, uh, we've probably been working on this, well, from my point of view, probably 18 months, but I know there's been work on, on it well before then. They did some viability studies on whether it could actually be done at, at Cogra at Jubilee Stadium or at Wynn Stadium mm. years ago. But you had restrictions around space if you want two fields, building, parking, those sort of things couldn't happen. But um, we've worked really strongly. Our shareholders actually have funded some work on this for about the last 12 months. So as far as design and planning goes, we're well advanced. We're hoping we'll be able to put our DA, sorry, DA and lodge that uh, next month. Mm -hmm. um, so we're fairly aggressive with that. Um, the connection through the uni, I think, is really important. There's a lot of high performance centres out there or, or centres of excellence and they're purely there's your club there's your field and you keep it very isolated and protected from that but I think uh, connecting in with the university can be an advantage for us and I know a lot of teams do particularly in um, the US and in AFL they do it a lot mm. but having um, the University of Wollongong if we do it right um, for us it gives resources as far as um, sports science, almost every department that we have in our business, there's some sort of um, education or there's some sort of uh, program being run at their end that dovetails into what we want. Um, and then we've actually had, for an example, we had a, a couple of scholarships a few years back and two of the guys who did those are now the heads of sports science at two other NRL clubs. So mm. if you do this right, your connection with the university, it becomes an on-field advantage as well. So it's really exciting. Um, the funding that we got the other day basically means we're going ahead. We still have a small funding gap, but we'll keep working on that. Um, the connection with the uni is great. Connection with community is good. There'll be community classrooms, lecture theatres. There's a community partnership space within it, and there'll be some access to the second field there for community. So it's um, 
it's really exciting. It gets all our club under one roof to the, for the most part. Um, and it's something we haven't had in, well, not in my time here, I, I don't think for the whole time of St. George Illawarra. So it's a good thing. You mentioned or you spoke just previously about the St. George area and about Cogra, and I guess the concern for, for me and, 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 I, and I guess some of the other fans I've spoken to, Ryan, is that outside of the five or six home games that are played um, up at Cogra per season, uh, we're kind of wondering what's what's going to happen to the St. George area, what's going to happen to Cogra. Training uh, is based down in Wollongong and, and has been for the last little while. The, the Centre of Excellence that we've just spoken about is going to be based down there and Wollongong obviously still having uh, five to six home games a, a year. Is there any encouragement or any vision um, for, for the St. George area or any plans afoot to, to what might be happening up there in the next kind of three to five years? Yeah, there's... There's definitely nothing going retracting, I guess, from the area. So the games will always be played there, the five, six games, depending on where Anzac Day leaves. Um, we're always going to have a presence in the St. George Leagues Club there. They've got a new CEO who's really proactive and working mm. with us at St. George Illawarra really, really closely. So he's been fantastic. Um, our community programs and connection through the grassroots, having St. George District as a shareholder means we're never going to disconnect or never going to be far away from yeah. Um, the grassroots up there. So, and we're actually looking to do some things through those junior pathways next year to to shore that up a little more, I think, and maybe um, hasten the development of young players from both St George District and Illawarra, for, um, for that matter. So, I, I couldn't give you a, an overarching new action that's happening, but we're definitely not pulling away, and mm. that's definitely part of the region, and we'll continue to embrace that um for training because it's a council venue now it used to be run by the club but it's now it's run by st george's river council so and it was a bit hard to get on there recently with COVID, and then they had um sydney fc and cronulla were on there a couple of years ago so the time and access to it was pretty limited so we are looking to do a little bit more training up there now with nrlw as well probably mm-hmm. we've thought about doing a, a bit more up there it really just comes down to what facilities are in there because you need a gym and there's not one in that venue um and you've got to be able to get on there and protect that surface a little bit and then you know the cost effectiveness i guess for us when we've got a training venue that we pay for down one end and then Mm. um use another one ad ad hoc so definitely not pulling away um there's a few little things there that you may see a bit stronger of a presence but i think definitely in the community the school space and the grassroots space that's probably something that's been lacking lately and and that'll pick up just as covid resides resides sorry I guess um, one of the, the more exciting things about the club and I guess the future of the club is this uh, this junior talent or the, the junior pathway that we have for um, players, not just in the St. George district, but but players down um, in the in the south coast of New South Wales that have come through that Illawarra uh, system. We've seen a lot of those guys progress through to the first grade side or at least get some opportunities at first grade with the likes of Junior Ramon and uh, Jaden Sullivan, um, uh, Matt Fiernay, uh, Max Fiernay, uh, Cody Ramsey, just, just to name a few. Um, what what's the vision and, and strategy of the club? I, I guess moving forward for uh, the academies and, and pathways and, and nurturing so much of that junior talent because uh, there is so much of those those talented young players coming through, especially uh, through that uh, the Illawarra system, Ryan. Yeah, we had a meeting with uh, two districts, both Illawarra and St George, the other day to talk about this and make sure we're doing it in a, a unified manner and we're all working together on it because for them, they want the best young players coming through and developing so they're competitive at a junior reps level. And then we want that as well. So we can grab the best, bring them into our academy on top of that and make sure they're getting consistent messaging. When they come in at 13, we want to, you know, whether it be their strength training or their skills training or, or culturally, we want them to understand as soon as they start coming into the Dragon's pathway, what it means to be a Dragon, how you carry yourself on and on the field, what it means to support teammates you know, doing the right thing. So we're working on a bit of a program there. There's there's already been a really good one there, but just looking to polish that a little. And the Dragons next year, we hope to have a, a stronger presence, um, particularly through the, the coaching down into the junior reps. So we can make sure the messaging's clear um, as they come through the mats, all into our academy, and then hopefully into onto development lists and future NRL. Recently, Ryan, we've we've had a fair few emails and comments from people um, uh, eager to know 
more about if there will be um, Red V member functions. I know that was something that was was happening well before you were CEO um, or where fans can uh, genuinely ask questions and, and I guess be be respectful, but but ask these hard hitting questions um, of the of the club. And I guess the other part of that is we we do get questions quite a fair bit and I'm not smart enough or in the in the know enough to, to, to answer these questions in in terms of, of voting rights and those kinds of things. Uh, could you elaborate or, or give us a bit of background on, on whether I guess Red V member functions might be something that would come back in the future and, and, and what happens in terms of, of, of uh, voting rights and those kinds of things where fans want to get involved I guess in not the running of the club but but find out a bit more information about how they can contribute to, to what's happening uh, day in day out with the club. Yeah, I guess there's two questions there. So for, as far as member functions go, um, I'll have to have a chat to the membership team about that. They haven't been running, or well, my time COVID would have killed those pretty quick, mm. I suppose. So um, they're not something that we're necessarily walked away from for any conscious reason. So I'll chat to the membership guys about that. I'm, yeah, I have no issue answering a few questions and, and, and membership forum type events. And, and you can do those digitally now too. So there's always ways to do that. So um, I mean, maybe I'll take that one. Um, take that one with me and ask a few questions, but uh, we'll look to see what we can do there. Uh, as far as voting rights go, it's we're a privately owned club, I guess, from my position as St George Illawarra. So I've got one shareholder um, in Win Network and they appoint four of the directors and then St George District Rugby League Football Club appoint those other four directors. So uh, it's not voting rights in that traditional sense where a shareholder member, I guess, or a member in our sense, would have a voting option. I guess you, there is voting possibilities at the St George Leagues Club end through to the District Rugby League Club end. There are other ways to, to do member votes um, or member voices as such, but it's not a traditional membership setup where where that is, but having those two major shareholders. So um, I'll have a look. Maybe there's some sort of combination there between that, that member forum and, and some sort of voice um, whether it be through voting or, or, or I guess we're talking about voice here. So I'll mm. take it on board and see if there's some way we can creatively um, you know, give some voice to, to members because we want members to feel valued and feel like their voices are being heard. Um, they're an important part of the club. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have some conversations and see how we go. Uh, thanks for that, Ryan. Uh, I guess to, to finish off, just a, a couple of, a couple of more questions. We, and we touched on uh, you touched on this a little bit earlier on in our, our chat, a, a little bit briefly. Um, I guess when we focus on the field of the uh, the Dragons for 2022, uh, seven wins and seven losses, uh, perched inside the top eight as it stands, heading into uh, into Origin um, in in a couple of days. On field, is the club on track for, for where you and I guess um, Anthony Griffin, if you give us any insight into uh, into Hook and if he's happy with how things have gone so far this season, is is finals the, the bare minimum that the Dragons are looking at for, for the rest of 2022? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if bare minimum is the word, but it's definitely the goal. Yeah, we're all there to compete. We're all there to, to make that top eight and, and, and be a threat. So I, I don't think anyone would be completely comfortable with the start we've had to grind out a lot of wins and then those losses particularly those early ones where we just got blown out they weren't acceptable but um you know anthony and the football staff are they're working hard to address those um we're in a position i guess we're in touch um hopefully we're starting to build a little bit on what we did last thursday and we saw some glimpses of what we can do uh but i would say um i'm oh, sorry um i'd say yeah, we're aiming for finals. That's the goal. And I guess finally to, to finish off, um, recently um, Shane Flanagan coming in as a as a list manager for the Dragons, someone obviously that, that knows the club quite well from his time at, at being on the coaching staff for, for the Dragons during during 2020. Um, are there any signings in the works for 2023? Is there any kind of conversations happening behind the scenes with um, some prospective players for, for next season for the Dragons, Ryan? Yeah, there's always conversations, I'd say, Jack. There's not a lot of big-name players around at the moment, to be, to, if I'm really frank. And the other thing that's a little bit, um, oh, that's causing a little bit of concern is we still don't have a set salary cap. So you're, you're kind of playing on the conservative side because you don't want to overcommit in a lot of ways. Mm. But we're having a lot of conversations. To be frank, probably not any big names right now, but I've got no doubt things will change. Um, markets do change as, as teams fall in and out of finals. Um, you know, player movement tends to, to come about. So we're having lots of conversations. Sane's doing a fantastic job for us in that space. 
what we do, what we are focusing on is uh, a lot of retention. So you'll have there'll be another announcement hopefully in the coming days on another good result there. So mm. um, we're focusing on, focusing on what we can control right now, but keeping an eye on what else is out there. Ryan, always a pleasure at my end uh, as the host of the Red V podcast to get a chance to chat to you and pick your brain about different things happening behind the scenes, but also stuff that's happening on field for the Dragons. And I think this is the, the third time you've been on uh, been on the podcast. And even though we haven't chatted in, in some time, we certainly appreciate you giving up some time this afternoon to, to chat um, candidly and openly about, about the club. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for giving the fans a bit of an insight into the running of uh, the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Thanks for your time this afternoon, Ryan. No problem at all, Jack. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Ben Cray, and you're listening to the Red V Podcast with Jack and Johnny. Massive thanks to Ryan Webb for jumping on the podcast. I think it's the third time that we've had Ryan on. He's been very open and honest and happy to um, have an open dialogue with with myself or Johnny or whoever's uh, been on the podcast. And uh, I guess for fans that that uh, are on social media and on Twitter, would have seen the exchange between uh, the, the the West Life podcast, the West Tigers podcast, and and their CEO um, and, and some of the the choice words that uh, the, the their CEO had for that podcast, and even uh, some of I guess the just respectful words he had for, for West Tigers fans. Um, it's, it's, it makes us feel very uh, very lucky and very privileged that Ryan is is willing to give us access and give us information about the club and, and really hope that you enjoyed that chat as much as I did. I'm holding it with uh, with, with Ryan. He's a, a wonderful gentleman and uh, we're, I think we're really glad that he uh, is at the club. Always great to have someone that's really uh, opened and, and honest like that. So let's jump from our chat with Ryan Webb and chap, chap, jump into one of the more exciting moments of the podcast to continue, I guess, our excitement. And that is uh, looking at the Dragons win against the South Sydney Rabbitohs that happened on Thursday night down there at a cool wind stadium in Wollongong. Nick, a 32 points to 12 win for the St. George Illawarra Dragons. It probably, for a lot of Dragons fans, came out of nowhere. I know we weren't feeling a whole lot of confidence and I was laying the boots into the side, but I thought they were just absolutely immense, especially in that first first uh, 35 to 40 minutes the first half. You could probably argue that the side fell away a little bit. South showed a little bit of, of gumption in that second half to, to fight back and, and add a little bit of respectability to the score in the latter stage of that second half. But it's a, it's a game that I'm sure Dragons fans wouldn't have even dreamed of. Uh, what did you make of at least that first 30 minutes where the Dragons were really running right on Thursday night, Nick? It was as best as we've ever played in a, in a very long time, decades. And yeah, probably the best first half that was here. Yeah. Cronulla putting a big score over Manly uh, earlier this season, mm. similar sort of scoreline. But that's right up there with one of the best first half performances, probably the best first half performance of the season. What by, was by any side in this competition? What was the change that you saw in the Dragons? It, it was a question that we got throughout throughout the week, um, and, and we might even address it on our fans corner segment as well. But what did you what did you see? Was it an attitude adjustment for the Dragons? Was uh, the the attacking systems just uh, uh, had there been a little bit of fine tuning of that? Was it a defensive thing? What what did you like most out of that performance against South Nick? It was a bit of everything. I wouldn't say we we changed too many things up drastically you know, in a tactical sense, like. I liked our attack. It was a bit more, bit more free-flying. It wasn't as clunky. Uh, we saw, uh, I don't know the exact stats, but uh, we felt like we were offloading the ball a bit more. Mm. Just some variation to our play. As I said, more offloading. Ramsey now, he has a knack of lurking out the back, uh, out in the back line plays. The Bellin scored off a, just a simple inside ball going against the grain. We haven't really seen enough of that this season. But the, the big you know, changes, the big shift, that, that definitely came in mentality. It was all about the attitude because defensively we were brilliant. We brought the aggression. Our line speed was much better. We ran the ball with purpose in attack. We we dominated. We completely mauled them uh, up the middle in that forward battle. And we were, we were scoring for fun left and right, both sides of the field. I guess... We had Sully, yeah, Sully just carving him up, making metres at will. His try, yeah, Hunt had all the time and space in the world to land that on a, you know, on a five-cent piece, mm. which he's capable of doing. And there's Sully to barge over. All our tries, Amon showcased his greater strength, which is his running game. Lomax, you know, that took massive guts to throw that no-look flick pass after all the flaky cop last week. Mm. So fair play to him for bouncing back. Ravalawa, as you said earlier, nice double. 
And what do you, what do you make of the of the Ford pack? That's obviously the, the the basis of that performance, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast. Blake Laurie, a man, he, he ran like a man full of passion, a man full of, of real intensity. He really dented that defensive line. Um, it was a wonderful effort from him and backed up well, uh, probably across the board. We we haven't had too many games where we've had our Fords running over for 100 metres and it wasn't acceptable and we called them out for it last week, but it was a really good response by the Dragons Fords that really laid the, laid the platform. And, and even someone like a Jack Bird, stats might not tell the full story, but I really like the intensity that he showed and he really um, was able to get on the top of some of those edge defenders for South and promote the football, keep the football alive. And I, I liked his leadership out there. It was, it was a really good performance by the Fords overall, wasn't it, Nick? All around, every single player had a good game. You can't say one of them had a bad game, but it's, as you said, the game was won in the forward pack there. Laurie, I think that's his best game ever. Mm. Running uh, 206 metres, there was one. Uh, off the, in his first stint, he, he played like he never he's never played before. Mm. He just took the ball up off a, off a kickoff, and the way he charged back at that South's defensive line was just incredible. He sent one of their guys flying. It's it's interesting. It's interesting, isn't it? With it's interesting with Blake, isn't it? Because I think he, he he's someone that um, he's had a lot of raps on for for many years, and with that can come expectations sometimes. But if he could, even if he wasn't stringing a performance like that every week, if we could see that once a month or um, a, a game where he has a, a game like that and, and, a, and a solid game where he can chalk out 120 or 130 meters, this side would be, would be so different to where it is because I guess the, the middle third of the field has been the real struggle and that slowness that we've complained about uh, in recent weeks, that didn't seem to really be there on on uh, on Thursday night. It was it was a really classy performance. Yeah, no, as we said, I don't think any – you can't say a bad word about any player in that game. As we – Laurie just, yeah, phenomenal. And then, yeah, we we'll, we'll critical this time last week with – Francis Moller coming off, you know, being dropped to the bench. But when he came on, he just kept going. Yeah, momentum, you know, he's, he's brought, you know, brought the aggression, his run meters. As you said earlier, he's been our best prop uh, this year. And Jack Bird, he's someone we worried about last week, how he's going to contain Colin Matangi, but he did that with ease. Mm. Bird had a good game. Sua on the other edge, he, massive upgrade to, to what we had last year. And so I- Probably the people of the new signings. It's a shame, you know. We haven't seen the best of him yet, but he could be a very, very crucial player in this run home. And I guess when you when you look at that, um, not you don't want to call it a demotion, but Molo come to the bench. If you do get a good start, like we got on Thursday night from from uh, Blake Laurie and Jack DeBellin as well, I thought uh, Jack was really good in that that yeah, prop position. Then solid. then you yeah. then you then you get that. Um, it's almost like you've got a starting prop coming off the bench with, with Frankie Molo. So you don't really lose anything when one or both of those guys go off. And we saw Mick Molo be strong in the middle as well. So it, maybe that's a, that's that's some forward playing there from Hook that yeah, could lead to a bit of success down the track. I think that was the thinking behind it uh, from Hook. But we were just worried you know, that the starters d- didn't have them in them, didn't have it in them. But yeah, they definitely proved us wrong. You touched on it just before, Nick. Um, for, for me, watching that game back, I watched it a couple of times, as I'm sure a lot of Dragons fans have. I was really impressed with the efforts of Lomax and, and the returning uh, Ravalawa. We've seen Rav out for the last few weeks and and, and, and no disrespect to Tatao Moga, but he's just not the same player. He's not. He doesn't have that damaging uh, running style that, that Rava has and the meters that Rava can get us out of the back. I, I thought Rava was was really good. He's such a good finisher where he pretty much turned on a five-cent coin and, and made Johnson look like a like a park footballer was was one of the highlights of that first half and there was plenty of them and and Zach as well uh, you, you, you spoke about it just before Nick uh, he was kind of thrown through the ringer uh, in the media in in the week leading up to this game but I thought you could you could you can normally tell when Zach's on just the intensity of the way that he runs the ball and c- kind of where his head's at and I, I thought he was having some really incisive runs. Campbell Graham didn't know whether he was going right or left and and some of those passes came off and I guess it started when he when he plucked that ball uh, out of the sky and was able to to fire it back on the inside to, to to Ben Hunt and set up that first try. That seemed to boost the confidence, and from there he he went on with it. And and we'll we'll criticise players if they we, we don't think they're they're performing to their ability and and those kinds of things on the show. But we'll certainly give them credit when they're playing well and, and credit where it's due. Because I thought Zach was probably had his best game of the season on Thursday for the Dragons. It was his best game of the season. He he was outstanding. He just he, even aside from you know. He he, put, he was there. He he didn't wait for the game to you know to come to him. He chased the game. Mm. If you know what I'm trying to say, he himself. That was determination to get to that ball first and you know find Benny Hunt on the inside for the first try. Uh, he, he was stronger. You know his carries with the ball in hand were stronger. 
He was more switched on defensively. And that combination with, with Ravalawa, when they're on, it, it is superb. That that try that you know, when they linked up was the highlight of the game. That flick pass and the way Ravalawa destroyed uh, with their defence. What did you make of the uh, the defensive line by the Dragons? They they did well at the back end of the half when Junior Moan was sent to the sin bin for what was probably the softest sin binning and one of the worst ones we've seen all year. And we've seen some bad ones against the against the Dragons. What did you make of their defence in the in the first half, but also I guess more poignantly in, in the second half when maybe a few little cracks started to appear when when the 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 Rabbitohs got back to back tries. Overall, uh, I, I was I was pleased with our defence. Uh, that Simbin to Amon, I'm glad you said it because for me, there's no way that's a Simbin. No. And if the scores were much closer, that's something that we would have been talking about as a, as a turning point in that game. So good good job, Will, you know, well in front at the time because that was a shocker of a call. Uh, but, yeah, even that 10-minute you know, period when, when uh, Junior did come off, they, South, you know, they did not look like scoring. So mm. full credit to us uh, for that. And as you said, across the, you know, the course of the game, our goal line defense was pretty good. Just those two, both, both the South tries were pretty soft. I, I thought we should have done better uh, for Cook and, mm. and Murray there. Yeah. Especially that, that second one for Murray. He just sliced through Sims and Laurie. Yeah, that's right. And I, I guess that's that's the concerning thing, isn't it? Where, that, yeah, even though it was a wonderful first half performance, yeah, there's just those worrying little trends, especially through the middle, where we just still look a little bit soft and look a little bit slow. And I guess you kind of put the blame on someone like an Aaron Woods. Uh, I think he got hooked not long after that, pardon the pun, um, just being a little bit slow to get back in position. And smart players like your Damian Cook and Cam Murray, they're going to they're gonna pick those out all day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also... On the other side of the game, they were you know, in an attacking sense. It would have been nice to have you know Bud Sullivan coming on to cause havoc in those last 20, 30 minutes mm. against you know against the team low down on, on confidence. But instead, it was Mbai and, and McCulloch uh, rotating. Uh, full credit to McCulloch for his three hundredth game. Mm. Uh, I think that that would have played a part, you know, in a shift in attitude as well. Doing it for Maka for his big milestone game as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely spot on. I think they were they were really aiming up uh, in that performance, the Dragons, and uh, a really important win in the scheme of the season. Does it is it a, is it a win for you, Nick, that that could really be a statement or, or or could be a huge confidence boost for for the rest of the squad? I know South aren't where they were in recent years un, under Wayne Bennett, but they're still a side that uh, is in and around that top eight system. We hadn't beat them in eight straight games. Is this a, a real confidence boost for this uh, for this Dragons squad? Do you reckon? Without a shadow of a doubt, I think uh, th- yeah, this is hopefully this is going to be our turning point for the season, and we start seeing performances like this on a more consistent basis. I think yeah, it's not one to talk about for this week. You know, we'll wait and see how we, you know, hopefully injuries are kind to us over the rep round. But that game against Canberra is going to be much harder. But hopefully, we we come yeah, we bring the same mentality, the same attitude, and we're ready to play a good game of footy again. Yeah, well, let's hope it is the start of something for the Dragons uh, after that bad loss against the North Queensland Cowboys. They need a response and, and a loss there against Seattle could have been damaging to, to the hopes of the Dragons for, for finals football. But now uh, the players that aren't on international duty or state of origin duty have a chance to, to rest up and uh, yeah, get a, get a, bit, of, uh, a, a bit, bit of rest into the, into the aching body and get ready for a huge game against Canberra next uh, Sunday afternoon, which we'll no, no doubt be uh, dissecting and taking a close look at on next week's uh, podcast. But great uh, work by the Dragons. Great work by the Dragons coaching staff. Uh, we've, we've, we're probably a, a little bit hard on, on hook at times for uh, team selections and different things, but uh, he certainly got that right, and it was a really good coach performance by him and the rest of the coaching staff of the Dragons getting out comfortably in the end uh, by 32 points to 12, which was uh, an important uh, points differential win uh, for the Red V as well. We haven't got any match previews for you this week on the podcast with the NRL on a, uh, a, round, a season round by uh, due to the, uh, the international matches going on and State of Origin and all of those uh, kinds of things. But on the other side of that, we are going to take a look at the Dragons' lower grades. It was another big win for the Jersey Fleet boys, the under-21 side winning 38 points to 12 against Victorian Thunderbolts to nestle themselves comfortably in second position while it was a heartbreaking 41 points to 40 loss for the New South Wales Cup side against the Mount Pritchard Mounties on Sunday afternoon. My and Nick will dissect that next here on the Red V Podcast. 
Lower grade wrap time here on episode 127 of the Red V podcast. Time to take a look at both the Jersey Flake and New South Wales Cup sides uh, that performed uh, over the weekend. Again, it was a mixed results uh, for the Dragons. A comfortable win uh, in the under-21 Jersey Flake competition. Uh, St. George Illawarra winning by 38 points to 12. A handsome win against the Victorian Thunderbolts. Are a side that certainly aren't the worst side in the competition. They're kind of in and around that top eight system at the moment. Uh, but the Dragons, far too good for them, winning by 38 points to 12. Meanwhile, for the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup side, they went down by 41 points to 40 in an absolute thriller against Mount Pritchard. They led 26 points to 12 at one stage, but defensively, again, were very, very poor, and that let them down uh, in the end. Uh, Nick, firstly, we'll, we'll focus on the, the Jersey Flake side, a, a good performance away from home down in Melbourne at Casey Fields for the St. George Illawarra side. We saw uh, Trey Stewart have another standout game. Um, he's, he's really proved his worth uh, so far this year. Uh, he got a couple of tries. Tries. Uh, ben Johnson um, picked up a couple of tries as well. Uh, Braxton Wallace, uh, Callum Gromick, uh, all over the line, and, and then Trey Stewart and Sam Hooper uh, knocking over some of the some of the conversions uh, for, for the Red V. They find themselves in second position on the on the ladder. Willie Talau, we speak about what a great job he's doing, and he deserves the plaudits for this young Dragon side. Uh, and they find themselves four points off the off the top of the ladder, but they've uh, they've won their last five in a row, and uh, they've uh, extended their away record to five wins and just one loss. It's a, it's been a very, very good season and another good away performance there by the Red V. Five wins in a row, as you said, and they'll be there when the whips are cracking at the business end of the season, without a doubt. The, yeah, the challenge for them is going to be to, to aim up and play this type of footy when it matters uh, in come semi-final time because they'll definitely be there. And I guess... Uh, McNoney, yeah, Bra- mm. Braxton Wallace, consistent performers. Trey Stewart, he, I think he's up there with, with the pick of him. He's also played a bit of reserve grade as mm. well. And yeah, Shane, he can handle it. But again, he was phenomenal on the weekend. And I guess the positive thing about some of these recent wins for, for this Dragons under-21 side, Nick, is that earlier in the season, they were grinding out some really good wins, but really close wins. But but now in, in the recent weeks, they had a big win against the Bulldogs. They had a big win against Victoria on, on the weekend. Um, they had a big win against South as well. It's pushed their points differential to 102, which is the second best in the comp. They're, they're not going to get close to the, the Roosters for and against. That's positive 272. They have a, a great attack, the Roosters. They've played 14 games and almost scored 500 points, but they're well ahead of, of the other sides around them. The Knights in third on plus 55 and the Tigers in fourth on plus 34 and the Sharks in fifth on plus 32. So that's, I guess, another another positive thing because that can almost be like another two points to, to your season tally when you've got st- such a strong uh, differential. And I guess they're, they're kind of carrying the great white hope for the Dragons, aren't they? We're, we're still very confident of uh, this uh, this NRL side um, uh, getting their way through to the, the semifinals uh, this year. There's still a long way to go, but they look like a side that, that is, is well on their way to, to playing finals football at some stage in, in 2022. They're looking like the real, pre, pre, the genuine premiership threat because we've got our first grade side sitting in eighth spot at the moment. Again, that ladder's a bit distorted with the buys and we've also got our reserve grade side uh, sitting in eighth spot as well. But that uh, Jersey flag side, they've been playing great footy. As you said, it was more about the defence at the start of the season, uh, but the attack's coming along nicely now. The Roosters are still the team to beat. I've seen a bit of them play this season. And as you said, they, they, they are a really, really good side. Moving on to the New South Wales Cup competition, a 41-40 loss for uh, the Dragons uh, on the weekend. On Sunday afternoon out there at Aubrey Keach Reserve uh, against the Mount Pritchard Mounties or just simply Mounties. A very frustrating performance, Nick, for, for the Dragons. They led uh, 26 points to 12 at one stage. They scored five tries in 12 minutes. Bud Sullivan again... At his absolute best, he, he's really proving that he's just way too good for this New South Wales Cup competition. He bagged a couple of tries. He also kicked six goals from seven uh, seven attempts for a haul of, of 20 points. Uh, we also saw uh, Toro Sloan get over. Uh, Zach Herring bagged a double. Uh, Jackson Ford uh, and Puasa Farmasuli also crossed the stripe. But uh, again, it was defence that, that was was the issue for the Dragons. You could certainly argue that for both sides. Uh, and, and inevitably, it was a Brad Abbey a 78th-minute field goal which sunk the Dragons. They lost four. 41 to 40. We had high hopes of this reserve grade side this year. And despite some really good attacking displays defensively, and it, it seems like it's a regular issue and it seems like it's a, it's a coaching issue that's really holding this dragon side back from, I guess, going to that next level and being a dominant side in this competition. Yeah, it really, really has to be a coaching issue, doesn't it now? Because as, as we said off air, there are some really good players in this side. Bud Sullivan, again, as you said, proving he's too good for this. And you'd hate to imagine where this team would be without him in it. 
Yeah. Because but- he, he led that, that comeback to, to get us up, you know, 26-12. This game in isolation just sums up our season, basically, mm. doesn't it? Uh, yeah, 40, 41 points conceded, says it all. And you, and you look at this Dragons record now through 14 games, six wins and eight losses. It had the one by. Attack's pretty good. Attack's probably, yeah, it, it's it's not it's certainly not the best. It's it's middle of the road and, and that's obviously expected when you've got NRL players coming down and going up and Bud Sullivan hasn't had a chance or Jaden Sullivan hasn't had a chance to play in all of those games. He seems to be the real nucleus for that attack. But you, you look at the defense and that's the real worrying thing. 404 points conceded in, in the 14 games. The only sides that are worse than that are, are the um, the. Blacktown Workers Seagulls, who are bottom of the league, they've only won two games all year. They've conceded 442 points. And then the Magpies have the worst uh, worst defense in the competition. They've also only won two games. They've conceded 488. So uh, with those two sides have really been on struggle street all year. And with a Dragon side that has so much NRL, um, uh, I don't want to say NRL quality in there, but but players that have, have certainly had plenty of exposure at the NRL level, it, it's pretty concerning. It makes you kind of yeah think that it's going to be an issue that's probably going to play the Dragons for the rest of the season and maybe until there is a change in coaching. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's yeah, it's, it's looking that way, isn't it, at the moment? So the, the Dragons will currently sit in eighth. Uh, there are no uh, knock-on effect New South Wales Cup games over the course of the weekend. So they'll have themselves a week off and uh, they'll get ready uh, for the match against the Canberra Raiders, uh, which is the next time uh, they, they do battle in, in, this, uh, in this competition. Uh, that's uh, happening in on round 16, uh, which is starting on the 1st of July. The Dragons have the precursor to the first grade game down there at Wynn Stadium at Wollongong, a 140 kickoff uh, against the Canberra Raiders. Eighth place Dragons up against the sixth place Raiders. Meanwhile, for the Jersey Flag Cup side, they are next in action, the Dragons, on the 3rd of July. Um, it's disappointing that it's not um, prior to the, the New Falls Cup game. It would have been great to have all three grades down there on the 40th anniversary of the Illawarra Steelers, but it's an 11.30 game on Sunday, the 3rd of July. The Dragons against the Raiders at Zeems Park at Coromel. Uh, so maybe you could uh, duck on down there, watch the, the young Dragons, hopefully put on another clinic attacking and defensive-wise, and then head down to Wollongong to catch the reserve grade uh, and the first grade results as well. Almost time for myself and Nick to jump on out of here. But before we do that, we're going to transition from our lower grade wrap into our fans' corner questions for this week. And a big thanks for those that did get in contact with us at the podcast and sent their questions in. Nick, the first question we've got is from Philip Leishman on Facebook. And Phil has asked, who should we invest the money from the Tarek Sims departure to Melbourne to um, from within? Or should we find a quality forward from another club? Well, firstly, as uh, Ryan touched on in, in the you know, in his chat, we, we are close to a key uh, re-signing, so hopefully that is Junior Ramon. Uh, other than that, yeah, so that, that that's the priority in terms of uh, yeah keeping the, the current squad together. But mm. for me, as good as our middle forwards were in the game against South, definitely look at props and also hooker. But there is a short shortage out there at the moment, so it's maybe it's just a matter of you know. Hold, keep it aside, hold off, wait mm. and see for, for 2024. A next question comes from Jonty on Twitter. And Johnny has said, what did you guys see tactically that was different in the Dragons' win compared to the rest of the season, especially defensively, or was it just an attitude adjustment? It was more so, for, for me anyway, at least. For me, it was just more so attitude adjustment. As we touched on earlier in tonight's show, tactically, we, we did you know, a couple of things differently. Uh, in attack, I thought we offloaded a bit more. Uh, the, the inside ball, again, just a simple play going against against the grain, just little things like that. But for me, yeah, without a doubt, it's the attitude that changed. Tim has asked, uh, and it's a, it's it's obviously not a serious question from Tim. He's a good friend of us here at the podcast. Uh, when will the Dragons announce the Anthony Griffin and Moses Embiid lifetime contracts? <laughs> it seems like the next well, thing that the Dragons will do to 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 put us through a bit it, more pain. <laughs> It's a Dragons thing, isn't it? We've had Mio McGregor for, for the long haul. We had Douse there for the long haul. So, yeah, you never say never with this club. <laughs> and our We've last been scarred, Jack. Yeah, we certainly have more. Yeah, on more than a few occasions as well. Uh, Nick, our, our last question comes from Cooper Island, also on Twitter. And Cooper said, uh, what did you think the plan is with Jaden Sullivan next season? Hunt is still contracted and Sullivan won't want to play reserve grade all year. That's a good question. Uh, it's a bit of a dilemma, actually, because you've got Ben Hunt having a, you know, he's carrying the side essentially. You know, you could call it a breakout season, even though he's in his thirties now. He's just been phenomenal. Yeah, you know, before the votes went behind closed doors for the Daily M medal, he was leading it. 
So what do you do with him? Do you play him at halfback for another year? Or, and then, you know, that hinders the development of, of Bud Sullivan. Does Sullivan become your bench utility for next year, that number 14, and then Bide drops down to reserve grade? Mm. Does Sullivan have a future in the number nine? What about Connor Malheason? There's more questions than answers at the moment. I hope Hook has the magic formula for Bud because we, yeah, he, he is a key player for us moving forward. Yeah, he is, he's a he's a really important player, and uh, yeah, I'd, I, I'm kind of more on the thinking of of what Cooper's probably alluding to, and the fact that yeah, I don't think Bud Sullivan is going to be someone that's going to be happy to play maybe once or twice during the Origin period, or maybe another one or two times if Ben Hunt's rested or he picks up an injury or something like that. These players want to play first grade, and they probably some of these young guys probably look around at, at the Roosters, for example, Sam Walker debuting at 18, Joseph Sawali debuting at 17, and wondering what. What they've got to do in a side that, that probably, I don't want to say has less ability, but certainly hasn't put uh, performances uh, in the same vein as the, the Roosters had certainly last year. Um, I know they haven't been superb this year, but they still find themselves uh, above the above us on the on the ladder, how, how they can get these opportunities. And it would be it would be a shame to, to, to lose a, uh, a Connor Mulheisen or a, a Jaden Sullivan or even a, a Junior Ramon. He still hasn't been locked up long term. And I know the Dolphins are sniffing around him because they're not getting these opportunities in, in, in first grade. So um, hopefully... Hopefully there's 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 a solution there, but I guess that's the that's probably the nervousness that Dragons fans are feeling, Nick, when you've got um, guys like Moses Embi and Andy McCulloch that have had good careers, have played in grand finals, have have represented their state at least in Andy McCulloch's um, uh, version or in, in his in his career he certainly has. It's you, you you don't want these guys to hang on for one or two years and and lose these players that that really are the future of the club. Exactly. You can build you know, your long-term future around these players. So we, we've got a, a moan for now. He's the priority because, as you said, he's off contract at the end of next year and the Dolphins are sniffing. So for me, he would be the one we have to lock up ASAP. Yeah, hopefully we can find a solution to fit all these young pieces uh, in in together. But uh, that's going to be an interesting one to keep tabs on, especially over the, the next few months. And uh, yeah, especially if uh, we do see a bit of Jaden Sullivan, hopefully uh, in the first grade setup at some stage over the course of this uh, the rest of the season. And that wraps up all of our uh, fans' corner questions for this week, folks. As always, get your questions to us. You can email them at any time to redvpodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, throw them up on our social media channels, Facebook, The Red V Podcast, Twitter, at Red V Podcast One, and also Instagram, uh, The Red V Podcast. Big thanks to everyone that uh, does uh, send their questions in each and every week. Really appreciate you guys uh, supporting and getting involved uh, with the running of The Red V Podcast. That brings us to the end of episode 127. Really hope that you enjoyed the podcast for tonight, folks. Uh, a wonderful chat with Ryan Webb and a good chance for us to uh, review a wonderful performance on Thursday night against uh, against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And, and Nick, we have a week where we're not going to have any stress. We're not going to have any anxiety. We can watch a little bit of origin. Maybe we'll get a bit of a stress anxiety from watching New South Wales play now that Brad Fittler's coaching, but uh, a chance to watch some of the, the, the New South Wales under-19 games, the women's origin, the international matches that are happening as well as the state of origin. But nice to have a, a weekend of the Dragons not stressing us out. Well, they didn't do that last week, but uh, it is it is inevitable. So uh, I'm looking forward to maybe just de-stressing a little bit and watching some some footy and, and not getting too too worked up. Nick, uh, thanks so much for, for jumping on uh, the Red V podcast again this week, mate. My pleasure. And as you said, hope you know, it'll be a good weekend of footy ahead and hopefully the injuries are kind to our Dragons boys yeah. after playing this weekend. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Good point there by Nick with plenty of Dragons uh, involved uh, across the club as well. Best of luck to all of those lads uh, playing in the uh, the state uh, matches, but also the international fixtures as well. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 127 of the Red V podcast. On behalf of my co-colleague, Nick Sambaneris, I've been Jack Clifton. Thanks for tuning in to the Red V podcast. And until next week, we'll say bid you farewell. Let's go those mighty Dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.